Did you know C.S. Lewis wrote a science fiction trilogy? Well, I'll tell you about it. Welcome back to Good Monsters. My name is Cody Lawrence. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I have some new equipment and I will be getting even more. Uh, you might notice if you're watching this on video, and if you aren't, you could check out the YouTube channel. Uh, and if you like watching the video or not, give me a subscribe because it helps uh, grow the channel and it helps other people see it for their sake. Give me a subscribe, like, comment, you know, all that stuff. Um, and then if you just listen to audio, you can give me a review. Or the most helpful thing you can do is just share it with a friend or a family member or something like that, if you like my content. But anyway, you'll notice a slightly different camera angle here because I I, I had a tripod that I had packed away uh, for a long time that I used to use with my DSLR camera. And I was able to pull it out. I found the right attachments. I got a mount, a new mount for it, and I'm able to connect my light to it. It's great. It's a cool setup. And I also got these new microphones, but uh, so I can be a little more mobile without having to be uh, anchored in this angle to my desk in this way. Although I'm kind of digging this camera angle. Um, I got the wrong cables. And so once those come in, I'll be able to test out my brand new microphones. But anyway, C.S. Lewis. Uh, I discovered that C.S. Lewis wrote a science fiction trilogy many years ago. Of course, I was familiar with Narnia. I had read, you know, Mere Christianity, Screwtape Letters, Great Divorce, uh, many of his books, and I had no idea that he had written a science fiction trilogy. But he did, and it's awesome. It's amazing. It's great. I think... The final book in the trilogy, which is the one I just finished, is maybe my favorite novel. Maybe. Uh, once I reread Lord of the Rings, I'll be able to tell you more. Because <laughs> I did read uh, the first two books in the trilogy years ago. I was much younger, much more naive. And Lord of the Rings, too. And so those are books I think I would want to revisit uh, every year or two. Probably every year, honestly. There, it was that good, especially the the third book in this cosmic trilogy. But I'll uh, I'll tell you about all three books here. Um, mostly spoiler free, kind of focusing on the third book, which is the one that I just finished. And hopefully by the end of the episode, you will want to read it yourself because I think this book should be required reading. And I don't say this lightly. I think this book is required reading for Christians living in the situation that we find ourselves in culturally today with the government and with um, just things happening in the world. I think it's a very important read for Christians today in our situation that we find ourselves in. So to begin talking about the Cosmic Trilogy, I think I need to describe what was the pre-enlightenment view of the cosmos. You're like, what the heck does that mean? Uh, so the enlightenment, and really over the course of time, the enlightenment was kind of a cultural event or milestone that we hit a um, long, long time ago, where basically we, uh, in 
in the world and like Western culture uh, became generally less spiritual, less religious, uh, and that has continued over the generations. And then more and more focused on science and reason and kind of moving away from God and moving towards science. Now, we know that science and religion are not incompatible with each other. They support each other. So we can appreciate science and then we can appreciate uh, religion and we don't lose any from either one if we have them in the right places. I think science properly understood because science is just observation of how the world works. If we are properly understanding science, then that should support our religion if our religion is true. And our religion properly understood should also fit in with the way that we see the world work. Um, But that, like I said, requires us to see our religion properly, and it also requires us to see science properly. Many people don't. Uh, Many people see religion improperly, or they see science improperly, and they think the two conflict. Uh, Both good guys and bad guys, both Christians and non-Christians, can fail uh, at Well, obviously, especially non-Christians, but even Christians can fail at uh, ordering science and God in the proper way. On both sides, some Christians might um, make God smaller, try to have him fit into their perception of science. And then the other way around is true, too. Uh, We might make God smaller, incidentally, uh, by making him fit into the, the kind of science that they see also. So anyway, pre-Enlightenment, the world uh, was much more generally religious, uh, for better or worse. And th- that's not to say that you know they were more godly, but they were more religious, they were more spiritual. And um, you know many people were more godly back then, of course. Uh, But we also have godly people now, and science, like I said, doesn't conflict with religion necessarily. And so, uh, prior to these big scientific undertakings and philosophical and whatever undertakings that we've made over the past few hundred years, um, prior to that, the world without those was much more spiritual. They, They tended to as far as I understand, I'm definitely not an expert in uh, in the history of uh, pre or post enlightenment civilization. But anyway, here's just my understanding. You can definitely dive deeper into this. Uh, and actually, I think a really good book. I I've been meaning to review this part of the book because I thought it was really powerful. Um, Slaying Leviathan. I think the first couple of chapters of the book kind of gives a, a history of religious thought from. Uh, the beginning of Christianity up until now, kind of through the generations and talks about the Enlightenment and things like that. So that's a, a really good resource if you're interested in that kind of thing. But people generally thought uh, many, many, many years ago that the world was more spiritual, that the cosmos was inhabited by spirits. It was full of life and um, and not necessarily intelligent life, but just that, that you know, the stars moved because God wants them to. And um, the, the stars even are angels or gods, perhaps. And um, just the, the cosmos was more spiritual. But now, today, even as Christians, 
we might, and, and I definitely did this, but after reading this book, uh, it helped me kind of move back towards a more spiritual view of the cosmos. That's what I'm getting at with this book and one reason why it's so great. But uh, now we look at the cosmos or what we usually call it space and we think it's just that. We think it's space. We think it's nothingness. Uh, we're alone on a little ball of rock amidst millions, billions, trillions perhaps of stars and other solar systems and there's no life, no intelligence, and there might not be in reality. Uh, but God just kind of turned a turned a watch dial and saw everything in motion. And yeah, he might be active on Earth, and he yeah, he might be holding everything together, of course. But you know, nothing's really happening out there. It's all right here on Earth. Um, and and definitely, if you're an atheist, you go even farther than that, and you say nothing's going on anywhere, and we're just chance uh, we've sprung up from some goop several million years ago and uh, out of pure chance we are here and doing the things that we do and believing the things that we believe uh, even that we have evolved to believe that we are mere chance <laughs> so anyway you can see the the kind of difference in views and it seems like as a Christian, just comparing the two views, it seems like we know which one's better. It's better to view the cosmos as a more spiritual place, but we just living in the culture that we live and living post-enlightenment, we don't recognize uh, those things because we're so indoctrinated by our culture to believe in the unspiritualness of everything. And I think that's what C.S. Lewis is trying to recover, the spiritualness of everything. And so he wrote three books. Uh, he wrote three books. The first one is Out of the Silent Planet. The second one is Paralandra. And the third one is That Hideous Strength. Um, Out of the Silent Planet is the story of a character who travels to Mars and experiences a many races of alien life and how they live uh they um I'll, I'll kind of tell you the basic plot but i won't give too many big spoilers on any of these books so feel free to listen uh, i think these are all fun details but they won't spoil the story for you if you know them but the the protagonist named ransom he goes to mars and he experiences these alien uh creatures and they seem to be unfallen. They have no knowledge of evil, but they have civilizations and, and they have language and communication. Um, and then these other bad guys come to Mars with Ransom and they're trying to uh, take advantage of the planet in various ways. And then Ransom has to try to stop them. So that's Out of the Silent Planet. Uh, it's a beautiful book. But Paralandra is what really made me love the series. I read both of those books a few years ago, and I absolutely loved Paralandra. Uh, the main character goes to Venus this time, and he experiences a like a Genesis chapter one through three story, uh, where he he sees this character that's basically Eve. And she is looking for her king, who is Adam. And then the 
the story begins. <laughs> and so Ransom is experiencing this totally different new planet um, in the midst of the creation story. In in the first book, the the world had been going on for a long time and, and the civilizations have you know been around for a long time. But it seems like in the second book, uh, this Eve character was maybe just recently created. Uh, and then Ransom has to basically prevent the fall. <laughs> it's a wonderful book. It's it's amazing. Uh, it's beautiful. Uh, on Venus, there are these floating islands. It's covered in water in the story. And there are these floating islands. And God gives the command to the Venetian Adam and Eve that they can go to any island they want to. But they there is one particular island that they're not allowed to sleep on at night. Very much like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can eat of any tree except for this one. And so God said to these people on Venus in Paralandra, uh, which is the, the alien name of the planet. That's why it's called Paralandra. Venus is Paralandra. Um, and God gives them the same command. You can do anything you want. You can go to any of these islands, but you just cannot sleep. You, can, you cannot stay overnight on this one island. Very cool. Uh, And then the third book. So the first two books seem to be developing this um, foundation that the cosmos is very spiritual. Even to apply it to us, even if there's no alien life uh, out in the universe at all, no intelligent life, at least. uh, it It doesn't necessarily make the cosmos less spiritual. Uh, and, and if you read the books, you'll kind of have a, a better understanding of what I mean by that. But in the third book, it the entirety of it takes place on Earth. So it kind of takes the, the idea that the cosmos is spiritual. And instead of being out in the cosmos, we are here in Earth. And that kind of worldview gets pulled in. Uh, and we see Earth like we see it today. And all of the normal things that happen. But C.S. Lewis in That Hideous Strength helps us see all of those things in a more spiritual way. To see the good and the evil uh, spiritual forces behind many things. And That Hideous Strength is also very cool because it, um, it, it discusses themes like propaganda and government power, um, the, the power of family and state, and um, not church so much, but uh, there are definite references and discussions about Christianity and God. But the implications of God existing and Christianity being true in a very spiritual world where evil exists is kind of what that hideous strength is about. I would compare it to the book 1984, except instead of a very bad ending, it has a very morally good ending. Like it's, as it being written by C.S. Lewis, a Christian, and because Christianity has a happy ending, that hideous strength has an ultimately good, happy ending. And that's not to say that that nothing bad happens in the book. That's not what I mean by a good ending. I mean a morally good ending. Good wins in the end, 
and that's great. <laughs> um, and that's also not to say that Christian books can't have sad endings sometimes or bad endings where bad things happen. But even those bad, even the endings, let's say, where bad things happen, um, which could be that hideous strength. I'm not going to spoil that much for you. But those, what we might call a bad ending because bad stuff happens, really is a good ending because um, perhaps justice is being done in those books or perhaps it points to some greater hope that is happening in the future. Things like that. Uh, and and That Hideous Strength is a Christian book motivated by the Christian worldview through and through. Uh, it's wonderful. But because it discusses these themes, uh, like I said, I would compare it to a, a Christian 1984. Um, it, I, actually, a lot of the a lot of similar plot points happen between 1984 and that hideous strength. Um, my wife actually just finished reading 1984, and we were discussing it. And I was I read it a few years ago too, and I was thinking like, man, that's very similar to that hideous strength, except different. <laughs> Um, and so, as you can imagine, because we know that 1984 is an important book to read, especially in a time like we are in now, where tyranny is happening all around us and unfaithfulness um, and hatred of God and God's people. Not that 1984 is about that necessarily, although 1984 shows us uh, kind of where evil can take a society. Mm. That hideous strength kind of does the same thing, uh, but it offers hope. It offers solutions and not just talks about how terrible the world is under a tyrannical big brother dictatorship. Uh, yeah, so I would highly recommend it, like I said, uh, to every Christian, especially every Christian living today. Uh, it It really changed the way that I look at things. Uh, I I might see news headlines and I think back to that hideous strength and, and I think, whoa, that's, you know, there's some stuff going on here <laughs> that's, that's above what we're seeing. Uh, it's really special. So I would highly, highly recommend that you read the book. Um, and if you have already read the book, read it again, because I actually tried reading that hideous strength twice and it bored me. It was boring because Ransom isn't the main character in the third book anymore. The main character is uh, is a husband and his wife, Mark and Jane Studdick. So it's not really about Ransom. And uh, that kind of threw me off when I was reading them because that hideous strength is totally different than the other two. But I think it's the best for sure. It's the best of all three, um, but it's different. And so if you're expecting more space travel and more sci-fi stuff, um, then you might be let down like I initially was. But then when I came to my senses and started reading it again just last month um, and then finished it recently, uh, it, it was amazing. It blew me away. Probably my, at least right now, and this could change, but it's my favorite novel ever. So I recommend you read it. And hopefully it'll change things for you too. Uh, C.S. Lewis is a great author, and that's uh, one of his greatest books to me. So check it out, and I'll catch you next time.